Welcome to Mystical Musings, October 16th, 2016. Here in the Mile High City of Denver, in the Walker Fine Art Gallery, with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Now we are here in the middle of our 13th year. We're here near the Civic Center heart of the city, in one of Denver's oldest neighborhoods, the Golden Triangle, known for its numerous art galleries, restaurants, and neoclassical architecture. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths, I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. If you would silence all electronic devices. Today's mystic portal is Whispers of Eternity. Isn't a whisper how spirit sometimes speaks? Not the loud, authoritative, powerful voice necessarily, but the still, small voice, a whisper speaking spirit. Whether it is your name being called or your power being called back into your heart and soul, a whisper is what often guides the mystic. But what, what of eternity? Other than that, it is a very, very, very long time. How does eternal interface with daily reality? Is it awe only? 
or does it include practicality as well? Whispers are not only sounds, but with a little synesthesia imagination, a feathered touch could be perceived as a somatic whisper. Or if there's a waft of an exquisite fragrance, this too could be an olfactory whisper. Doesn't elusive happiness whisper to us? Our embodiment whispers often on many different levels, intimating whispers of eternity. Embracing Nobel Peace Prize winner Elie Wiesel's spiritual imperative, today through whispers of eternity, we are thinking higher and living deeper. Each time as the bell resonates, consider the possibility of riding the exhale. Letting go of your jaw, of your eyes, deepening the breathing, softening, yielding presence into a felt infinity going on and on and on. Resonating even when the actual resonance stops. Such a sensate approximation of infinity embodies a felt eternity. The whispers, the whispers, the soft sounds, the gentle caress of the breezes through which the gods are talking. Gentle is a whisper of action. When you're gentle, authentically gentle, you're not looking to gain power over someone or something, you're just being you, being you at your best, at your happiest, your most helpful, your most supportive, your most giving, your most inspired. Being gentle is a muscle that you have to strengthen, nurture, and respect. It takes work and patience and discipline. Toning this muscle, we learn to appreciate the depth of the strength gentleness can provide. The meek, the gentle, shall inherit the earth. Whispers of small sounds, gentle conveyances of spirit being kind and subtle. The spirit of the bubbling brook running over the boulders, shaping the impenetrable rock over centuries of yielding communion. Sometimes in the whispers we hear our name being called, called to presence, called to action. Sometimes the whisper is a gentle touch, as if an angel reminds us of presences beyond the material world, reminding us of the truths transmitted through the ages. I am. I am love. All is well. Sometimes the whispers offer insight, inspiration, direction. Listen closely, listening deeply, not just hearing but actively listening. Amid the cacophony of our modern world with the tech onslaught, the incessant beeping, we listen in the generosity of silence and the fulgent stillness, and we can hear eternity beckoning. The whisper is intimacy with the mystic realms without beginning, without end. The whisper invites interfacing with eternity. Eternity interfaces with humanity through the great avatars, 
and the great transmissions. From the Tao, the way. From Moses, the law. From Buddha, compassion and redemption. From Jesus, love and the resurrected body. From Mohammed, peace. Sometimes these transmissions thunder. Sometimes they whisper. But always amongst the human family, they echo deep presence throughout the ages, charging our souls, informing our hearts, carrying our karma throughout the millennia, throughout the eons. The eternal is always with us, but not just as an immense duration of time, but also in our daily lives, if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, especially in the myriad acts of loving kindness, catalyst for a moment's contemplation, bringing us into the deeply felt one, into peace, into eternity. A whisper of eternity regarding our challenging present global environmental and political moment. This is a whisper of eternity about the craziness that we're going through right now. Remembering we have incarnated in interesting and transforming times. As humanity is evolving rapidly with large changes and disruption becoming the new normal to which our skillful responses are adaptability, flexibility, the practice of non-attachment, and our willingness to learn new ways of responding, breathing more fully, devoting ourselves to our practices so essential for regenerating presence and peace. Eternity allows us to glimpse itself through our own eyes and embodied sensations and emotions through music, in poetry, in sacred conversation, in loving kindness. Eternity glimmers at the edges of each and every moment, offering us a gateway in deep presence, for the kiss between eternity and us is presence, this very moment, this breath, this I am, this we are. Namaste. It's so wonderful to see all of you. It's like a, an ocean of radiance that comes from you, <laughs> truly. Um, and we have some new folk here today. So I just want to say a little bit about what we do. Um, in our services. We call a mystic anyone who has had a felt experience of the divine presence. So it's not really confined to those who spend half their day in contemplation, but those who have a feeling about the divine presence, the feeling that opens the heart, a feeling that calms our fears, a feeling that allows us to know how taken care of we are all the time. We started a theme in 2012 of paying attention to the very significant evolution that we're going through right now. And part of it has to do, this evolution, has to do with what's going on outside too because that mirrors back to us what we need to be paying attention to. So at this moment in time, we can see the chaos on the planet 
We can see the predominance of fear and anger. We can see the confusion and the hurt and the desperation of people. And that's because we have to break down the present structures before we open up to the new reality. The reality in which we are both male and female and know it. The reality in which we feel grounded and, and feel also that we're moving forward without the stimulus of suffering. So it's an exciting time for us. So that theme works its way through um, a lot of what we say and do. On the other hand, we think of things that are going on in our lives as individuals and as a couple and stay sensitive to the whispers we hear about what needs to be looked at right now. And so each time we meet, we have a different theme. So we have noticed how these whispers, how these little reminders, they can be auditory, they can be um, visual, um, they can be kinesthetic, whispers that remind us of who we are. We are who we are in eternity, and I will have more to say about that later. But I just want to say welcome to all of those who are here and joining this amazing community. Um, the community I look out at and my heart just swells with love and joy. So welcome to the new people here and welcome to the uh, old timers that we haven't seen for a while and welcome to all our beautiful, open-minded, open-hearted community. One other thing I will say about the community and about our service here is that it has a lot of silence. And so when we do music, the music is not meant as entertainment. It's not meant to have any kind of separation between the, the channel for the music and you. Because the truth is, it was sacred music here in this group. I play all of us because I'm playing out of this amazing field. So I hope that sketching in helps you know where you are, uh, just to begin with. So welcome everybody, all you radiant beings. Thank you and namaste.
Thank you, beloved. For those of you unfamiliar, Myron's wonderful, beautiful music uh, is original each time, inspired by your presence, something that gets channeled each and every time in a different way. And I've been with him now for 16 years. I have never heard it repeated once. Thank you. I get periodic updates from a website called The Universe. <laughs> really. It is sent to me, but it is meant for each of us. Message from the universe. Warming planet, check. Species on the brink of extinction, check. Ice caps melting, check. Economies unpredictable, check. Harvey, in the house, the one and only. Grab a seat. We're about to witness the most exciting comeback in history. How do we all get these leading roles? The universe. Incipience, things just starting, is a form of whisper. Incipience is just beginning, not quite fully manifest. Beginning to develop, just starting to grow, emerging, dawning, inchoate, nascent, embryonic, fledgling, in its infancy, germinal, whispering. As we've been exploring, whispers, incipience is not just temporal, but also a portal into eternity. Mass transformation, the great awakening of the human family, mirrors the love of the eternal beyond the temporary endarkenments into the immense possibilities inherent in deep presence. As a possible mass transformational candidate, genetic editing, while also presenting extraordinary ethical challenges, is transforming science. Discoveries that are not more than four years old are transforming research as to how to treat disease, what we eat, and how we'll generate electricity, fuel our automobiles, and even save endangered species. But this is as yet several years away, so not yet evidence for mass transformation. Only half of American Christians can name the four Gospels. Only 40% are familiar with the book of Job. Less than 50% of American Catholics understand Catholic teaching about the Eucharist. Greater than 50% think that the epistles were female apostles. <laughs> Wait for it, wait for it. And that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Oh, oh, doctrinaire religion is inspiring fewer and fewer, and so itself would also not be incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. But something else that is evidence for coming mass transformation is the imminent advent of autonomous cars. With humans currently in the driver's seat to take over if needed, autonomous cars are here now. Tesla, amongst others, are testing their new generation personal transport devices, as they are called, as we speak utilizing onboard coordinated sensors, cameras, and GPS. Within the last six months, Tesla's self-driving vehicle made it from LA to New York City in just over two days, with the autonomous car driving itself without incident 96% of the time. 
Elon Musk, the Tesla and SpaceX billionaire founder, says that his robotic cars will be entirely self-driving within three years. And he's not alone. Ford, Toyota, Volvo, Mercedes, Google, all have advanced active prototypes. Four U.S. states have passed laws allowing for such vehicles, with 13 more along the way, along with the recent green light from the federal government. For those of us who love to drive, I am one of those, adding insult to injury, it turns out that the autonomous cars drive better than we do. <laughs> Much better. Alongside digital surveillance and drones, self-driving vehicles will no doubt be amongst the significant advances and controversies of our times. Freedom versus security are the great battling mega-memes of the 21st century, framing the transition from human drivers to more skillful computers. Until World War II and into the late 40s, many Americans did not own cars. The car now is central to the American psyche. It has been a rite of passage for many of us. 95% of American households own a car, and 85% of Americans get to work by car. It wasn't always this way, nor is it likely to stay this way. America has been in a protracted love affair with the automobile as we have known it. Google's autonomous cars have logged 1.5 million miles on public roads. Total accidents, 17 all caused by human pilots. The Ford fleet of self-drivers, the world's most numerous, are currently working with the extraordinary challenge of navigating winter driving. The federal government has recently granted a 10-year, $4 billion fund for basic autonomous research. The estimated savings for having mostly autonomous cars from lowering fuel costs, productivity, increases and in accident-related savings is north of a trillion dollars annually in America and almost six trillion globally. Existence of such machines is now. Prevalence is coming by 2035 to 2050. Uber, the ride-hailing firm and the world's most valuable startup company, has been testing self-driving cars in Pittsburgh now for months and will soon begin offering customers the chance to request rides in a self-driving vehicle. Since its first smartphone app in 2010, Uber carries a valuation of $70 billion. No tech firm in history has raised more money privately before going public, and Uber is now its own verb. Let's Uber. Uber operates in more than 400 cities in 70 countries and has around 30 million monthly users. With the stated intention not only to disrupt the taxi market, Uber wants to make ride sharing so cheap and convenient that using Uber becomes an alternative to owning a car. The taxi market is about 100 billion, whereas the personal mobility market is north of 10 trillion. Uber is flourishing at the intersection of several very disruptive trends, including the shift to the sharing economy, especially with peer-to-peer -peer services and that earthquake of demographic trends, the millennials' urge for access over ownership. Autonomous cars are aiming to bring the cost of ridership down so low as to make owning a car obsolete. If Uber succeeds in becoming a major carrier of people and goods globally, it will have a larger physical presence in the world than any tech company in history. This epic struggle will transform life much as the automobile did in the 20th century, transforming the transport and changing the shape of cities the world over while reducing road deaths and pollution. For me and for many, being able to drive was a rite of passage and an emergence from within the cocoon of the nuclear family. Getting wheels at 18 signified my coming of age. Having wheels was freedom and an amped up potentiality. Driving, going faster than all previous generations of humanity before the 20th century could only imagine. Driving was a new form of life, a new enthusiasm, a new golden opportunity. Self-driving cars, 
is all this rite of passage on steroids. Using a smartphone to summon a car epitomizes ease, blurring the lines between public and private transport, and finally being able to carry people that famous elusive last mile right to their doorstep. Google has been testing autonomous cars for several years now. A Singapore company just launched a self-driving taxi service. Uber has been introducing self-driving cars in Pittsburgh. The disabled, elderly, young will all find it much easier to get around than in all of human history. A recent study tells us that there is a strong possibility that self-driving cars can reduce the total number of needed cars by 80%. And so, without any doubt, autonomous cars are this month's incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. Namaste, Shalom, Christ be with you, Assalamu alaikum, Adieu, Adios, Aloha, Namaste. We honor that place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light and dark, and of peace. As you are in that place in you and we are in that place in us, we are one together in our mystic lives Namaste. Well, I had no idea that Lawrence was going to talk about self-driving cars. <laughs> However, there is a spiritual metaphor here that I'd like to bring forth, which is living a life that exclusively depends on grace. Getting our own control out of the way. Control is an illusion anyway, as we are old enough to know at this point. But to let go and allow the divine presence to be in all our life, to be in our decisions, to be in our breath, to be in our body, to be in our heart, Letting go and relaxing into that presence of grace and then getting out of the driver's seat. Thank you, love. <laughs> that was a really good metaphor. <laughs> um, I have the habit of starting each day by letting go of letting go of control and praying the prayer that the divine presence be in every decision, every, every moment of my life, that that's what's coming forth, is the presence, not my ego seeking to make things happen or make things not happen. The ego, God bless it, is not a very reliable guide to the present moment because it just doesn't really exist in the present moment. It exists in the past and bounces over to the future and bounces back. Not reliable source of information or guidance. Time is created by the ego. In the state of non-ego, there is no time. And 
what we call the, the no time is what I call eternity. Eternity is when we are not in time. I know the popular usage of eternity means an expanded sense of time, but they have nothing to do with one another. I promise you, they don't. Soren Kierkegaard, forgive Yetta, my uh, non-Danish pronunciation, <laughs> after you tried so hard to teach me. <laughs> A great, great thinker in the 19th century, Danish philosopher, theologian, Christian theologian, said there is an infinite qualitative difference between time and eternity. Infinite qualitative, infinite qualitative difference between time and eternity. When we have this desire to open up to eternity or when we are called or when it happens or when we just fall into it is always in the moment always in the moment that we experience eternity. So we can experience eternity watching an awesome and beautiful sunset. We can be in awe of that. We're listening to a gorgeous piece of music. There's no time. We're in a different part of our consciousness. So the consciousness of eternity is always there right behind our consciousness of time. And they do coexist because our souls live in eternity. No beginning, no end, ever. Live in eternity. So when we can be swept away into a place of real concentration, meditation, and conscious presence. That's how eternity comes into us. Another place that eternity appears to us and that we can call on and celebrate is in intimate relationship with another person where the thought of that being a different person doesn't come up. It's in that moment when we know I'm talking to myself when I'm talking to you, and you're talking to me from myself. That thought isn't there because eternity does not have thought. So when you're in the presence of someone who is so beloved of you, you are in eternity, you're not in time. Many of you who have been here for many years know that I really love the language that the Jewish philosopher Martin Buber uses of the difference between I, it, and I, thou. In an I-thou experience, there is no separation. There's no separation. In I-it, there is separation. The I-it comes from the ego, and we need it, right? We need it to pay our bills and, and uh, order our food and do a lot of those convenient things. But when we can be with another person in sense of oneness, then Buber says that's the I-thou experience and it is always an experience of the eternal thou. The eternal thou. So eternity comes and it is a quality of being and it's a quality of consciousness. 
quality of consciousness beyond the ego consciousness of time. Ego is actually creating time. Now again, most of us will need both of those. And um, except when we're in deep meditation, but in, in meditation, that's another place that we can tap into the eternal. That's another place where we get whispers of eternity. And those whispers are always saying, life is beautiful, life is huge. Open your heart, open your vision, and see how huge it is, and how glorious and wonderful, and how filled with miracles. We miss the miracles when we come from the ego, lots of times. We notice the miracles when we are in our higher selves, which is in the state of eternity. And as we allow that eternity to fill our lives, fill our bodies and fill our lives, we come closer and closer to the divine presence and it becomes easier and easier to let go. Let go of the illusion of control and allow yourself to go with the magical flow of life as it is in the moment for you. Again, it's only in the moment that we experience eternity. However, in all of us, whether asleep or awake, no matter who we are, that eternity is always available and it will intrude itself in these moments I'm talking about. You know, I was on uh, a long plane ride, and um, and I was um, seated in an uncomfortable place. So they moved me um, to sit beside a woman. <laughs> she said, "I wonder what this means. I mean." What is this? Who are you? <laughs> Why are we doing this? And I said, well, we'll discover. Well, we, <laughs> we did not stop bonding the whole trip. And it was like the trip, it was a four-hour trip. It went by in about a second, right? Because when we're that engaged, when we're really in that sense of oneness and that sense of I thou, we can go for hours and not know what's happening. Just no consciousness of time. So, so knowing that that eternal moment, those whispers of eternity come, we notice that our ego steps aside. We notice that our sense of time steps aside. We are only here. We're only here in wonder, joy, awe, and magnificence. We're un only here in oneness with the divine. And that oneness can be just one of us with the divine presence. Or it can be like in a community like this, that that divine oneness manifests itself. You can go and hug a tree and it will hug you back because you have that sense of oneness with it. All of nature is like that. We can have oneness and honestly those things that we don't think have consciousness don't exist. Everything has consciousness. And when we realize that what consciousness always responds to is love, a sense of intimacy, love, and we can feel love coming from boulders. The plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, 
So many of us have learned unconditional love from our pets because that's what dogs and cats are here to do. Because their love for us is unconditional. And so I feel that I really got taught every day unconditional love by my cat Rama and my dog Blue. And it was wonderful to have that feeling of non-judgmental love. Wonderful. Now, where we cannot experience eternity, when we cannot experience eternity, is when we're in judgment of any sort. So this time in our country and in the world, it's very easy to be judgmental. <laughs> you can have a feast of judgment. And so how do we overcome that judgment? How do we bring a whisper of eternity to the political candidates, to the world, to all of the, what's out there? While your ego is doing all these judgments, I like her, I don't like him, I like him, I don't like her. While your ego is really doing that, you can easily let the eternal come through and anyone that you are judging anyone that you are judging can fade from judgment if you simply say, may God's will be done in his life. May he awaken, may he be free. And it takes away the worry and the anxiety. I say it many times a day. So, <laughs> The other thing that our situation today can help us do, which is very important, is to get in touch with our shadow or our sides that are not in eternity, that cut us off and separate us. So shadow can come up and overtake us. And when it does, we want to understand how we can look at that with light. So I've been having this practice, which is helping me get through this particular time in American history um, by saying, okay, I judge that in him, I judge that in her. Okay, if I'm judging it, then it's gotta be a part of my own self and you and, and it's been a very fruitful exercise for me because there were things in my shadow I didn't know were there but it is and w w the more we can cherish and enfold our own shadow stand tall get vertical the more the eternal has the opportunity to come into us and through us. So judgment is the enemy of the eternity. And it's judgment of any kind, just not judgment of, of people, but whatever. Now the good news is that we're evolving to that place. And it's becoming more or less effortless. We're getting to that place where what we see is love and what we turn away from is anger and fear. And anger and fear we turn away from by experiencing them, letting ourselves be afraid so it'll work its way through. And then again, we won't have any obstruction between us 
and the divine in us or the eternal in us? There was a 19th century Christian philosopher uh, named Schleiermacher, German, obviously, uh, whose systematic theology was all about dependence. So it was about dependence on grace. And for him, any time you neglected grace and acted on your own, you were cut off. He, as a Christian philosopher, cites Jesus as someone who had absolute dependence on the Father. Not me, but the Father doeth the work. And so, as we allow ourselves to let go and cherish every moment that comes up, without judging it, then we can live more and more fully in the eternal consciousness. I recommend it. Namaste.
deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace to you. Mantra is a vehicle into eternity. Om Mani Padme Hum, Hail Mary, full of grace. I love and accept myself exactly as I am. I am here now in this. Our practice is deepening presence. Presence is where our lives intersect with eternity, focusing on breathing, on mantra, on music, on the singing bowl, the Tibetan bell, contemplating love, all of which opens portals into the eternal. By touching in with the eternal, we get spiritually charged, enhancing our embodiment of spirit, energizing possibility, allowing us to integrate what seems difficult and challenging. Each breath in, each breath out, each breathing cycle is my own, but also the collective's encompassing the countless breaths that have been breathed since the dawn of human history and before. We breathe ourselves and we breathe all prior lineages. As breath deepens, eternity beckons, whispering to us for gentle surrender into the lap of God, into the wings of the Great Spirit. Loving kindness is the human face of eternity whispering love. Eternity is not some far off span of time that is a long, long duration. Eternity is here now and is always reflected in this present moment. Eternity interfaces with humanity through presence, here, now, in this present moment. Eternity shines through all darkness as love, peace, joy. Eternity whispers as our kind gaze into each other's hearts and souls connecting all lineages with now. Loving kindness is the human face of eternity whispering love. The mystic whisperer, eternity whispering, I am, I am love. Love is, I love you. You are my beloved. You are love. I am you. I am. Love is. We are. We are one. And my own mystic whispers back to the universe. I am. I can. I will. I am. I am here now in this. I am love. I am healing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Deep peace of the quieting earth to you. Deep peace to you.